and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty, along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about spray tank cleanout, and I know, I know, uh, it's one of those things that's like, oh man, that's kind of a nasty job sometimes. But you know what? It's super, super important, and. If you get right after it and don't leave it sit for a while, it's so much easier to do. I talk to farmers all the time that are are uh, stuck in this bad situation of, ooh, yeah, I forgot or chose not to clean it out right away, and then it sat out in the sun for a day or two, or then it sat in the shed for several months, and now it's, ooh, yeah, that's a really nasty job. So we really want to get after that right away. We'll talk about some of the keys to to making that job successful on your farm. Uh, And also we'll be taking calls and questions all throughout the show. Our phone lines will be open here at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us, radio at agphd.com, and you can find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. All right, Brian, we're talking spray tank cleanout today. Anything else you want to start with? Well, the cleanout thing is a really big deal. I was just talking to some guys this morning about switching over if people have Extend and they have Enlist and going from Dicamba to 2,4-D, and even though those chemistries are very similar. They're both growth regulators. Um, <laughs> Dicamba is going to kill Extend beans, and uh, or I should say Dicamba is going to kill Enlist beans, and Enlist is going to kill the Extend or Dicamba beans. And so we have to do a really, really good job. And the problem is soybeans are super sensitive to Dicamba. They're somewhat sensitive to 2,4-D as well. So going either direction, you've got to do a really good job. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and we've seen this firsthand, how much of an issue that can be and how quickly we can have problems with that. The other thing this year, uh, of any years, when yeah. we're doing everything in well, such a short period of time, there's going to be a lot of switching back and Even forth if, from corn and beans and different products. That's right. Even if you have one trait of soybeans on your farm, it doesn't matter. You might be going back and forth between corn and beans and wheat and many other crops. So. It's really important to do a great job with that tank cleanout. And the other thing that you've got to understand is if you don't do a good job, and let's say that there is a little bit of crop injury there, number one, obviously, you know where that came from. We've had the same thing happen on our farm. Uh, two, most of the time, those things are pretty minor because you've done a 98% job of cleaning the spray tank out, not a 100% job. So it's nothing to lose a whole lot of sleep over. But the last thing that I want to leave you with is where those things occur. If those things occur right by your house, right by the highway, right by where all your neighbors see it, right where your landlords see it, that's really not the best. So, you know, there are those kind of considerations as well. There's a lot of things to think about when it comes to spray tank cleanout. The other thing is when we talk about this subject, we say tank cleanout. And I don't want to be misunderstood here at all. Cleaning the tank out is one thing, but you got to clean out the whole system. And when you're talking about the booms and the filters and tips and the ends of the boom, all those things come into play here because you could have a little bit of product hung up anywhere and it could come out to create a problem for you down the road. We see a lot of times where farmers do a nice job cleaning out the tank, 
but there's just a little bit left in the boom, or there's some stuck in the end caps of the boom, or uh, stuck around a filter or something like that. So there's certainly potential to run into problems. And, you know, I get it. It takes time to do this. It costs a little bit of money because you really do need to use a commercial tank cleaner or something, depending on what the product is that you're doing or trying to clean out of there. But it's so worth it because, like you said, Brian, not only is it a little embarrassing because uh, it usually happens in a place where everybody sees it, but also it, it really costs you in terms of yield. If you ding your crop up, uh, you could be losing some serious dollars there, so it's going to be important. Uh, you mentioned some of the newer products like the dicamba products that we're putting on uh, extend crops, also the new formulation of 240. When we think about 240 choline, it doesn't smell as bad as the other 240s. It doesn't have the volatility issues that we fought with the amines and esters for years and years. But you still have to get it cleaned out of the tank. It's not like, oh, yeah, this all the problems are gone. No, you still, just like every product, have to get it cleaned out of the tank and do it efficiently. One other thing, Brian, that's come up is has been fertilizer this year. And with all the planting delays we've seen around the country, uh, just here a couple of days ago, uh, there's a farm operation that, that I know pretty well, not us, but but somebody that we work with, and they had an issue with this. And it was mainly around, well, we had this fertilizer mix, we were mixing a bunch of stuff together, and everything was working great until it rained, and we got stuck out of the field for a few days, and all of a sudden, things salted out, things gelled up. It was just a nightmare trying to get it out. So it's just a good reminder, no matter what you're doing, try and mix up what you're going to utilize right then, uh, rather than mixing up a whole bunch ahead of time. And then if you do get rained out of the field or run into a situation like that, see if you can get it out of that tank so you don't have to deal with it all the way through your sprayer. Yep, I agree. And, you know, that fertilizer thing can happen in springs like this when it's exceptionally cold when we are getting rain. So that's, that's just the way it goes. It's part of farming. We all have to deal with those kind of things. All right. Uh, also, we'll be taking agronomic questions on today's show. And we've, we've had some interesting things come up on our farm and other farms that we've been talking to around the country this year has been a fun one. So if you've got some questions and you say, man, I'm already on plan D or E or F, uh, yeah, we're, we're more than happy to help or at least give an opinion about, hey, we've seen this before, we've tried this before, and believe me, we've tried a lot of different things out there. This year's soil conditions right now on our farm are, are finally getting to be pretty decent and we're trying to get things in the ground as quickly as we can. I was just over at the Ag PhD field day site this morning and we were trying some new things out that we're going to show you here coming up this summer at the Ag PhD field day. It seems like it's a long way away, Thursday, July 25th, but it's really just right around the corner here. So we want to get everything off to a great start and looking good for you so you can learn a lot of things there. Talking spray tank clean out today. Hopefully we don't have any issues with that. And hopefully today's show helps you so you don't have any issues on your farm either. Again, we're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? 
Unleash the power of new Impact Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact Z is a trademark owned by AMVAC Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Ultra Blazer! Kinda sounds like the name of a superhero, doesn't it? Well, to soybean growers, it is. Because Ultra Blazer from UPL controls the toughest weeds, including pigweed, ragweed, and waterhemp. And you can make it part of your resistance management program on all trait-based beans, even dicamba tolerant. Plus, with Ultra Blazer, there are no plant-back concerns. Talk about superpowers. To learn more, contact your crop protection consultant or dealer. Always read and follow label directions. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgriLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgriLiquid is the perfect fit for your planter fertilizer program. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. We started utilizing the dual react system this year. You can adjust your speed and it automatically adjusts your sprayer tips. So you can slow down and you aren't building up huge droplets or you can speed up and you're not throwing a mist that's drifting. Hypro, helping you spray better. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? The Soil Warrior can reduce trips across the field, optimize nutrient placement and improve soil health. So you can lower production costs without losing yield. See what makes the Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about, well, one of those things that we don't talk about enough, spray tank clean out, and really cleaning out your entire sprayer so you don't have any issues. We've got some good ideas for you today. We've got some great guests that are going to be on. And also, we're taking your agronomic questions. If you want to give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got our friend Jim Reese with us right now with Precision Labs. Jim, thank you so much for, for giving us the time today. Oh, thanks for inviting me, Darren. All right, so spray tank cleanout. This is something I know we've been talking about uh, for many, many years with you. What can we do? And I remember one of the first lessons that we got was, hey, you know, a lot of these things like household ammonia and and other things that have been used for a long, long time may do an okay job getting some things off the side of the tank, but they don't necessarily keep it in solution, so you can't really get it flushed out. You know, you're you're exactly right. For years, we've used ammonia, and it's just uh, kind of an artifact that's been on labels probably since the 60s or 70s. It's not great cleaning technology. So I think the more advanced uh, spray system cleaners, you know, which kind of transcends just being a tank cleaner, actually are loaded with detergent so they can actually solubilize, you know, that oily residue that gets left behind or some of that dried caked on stuff inside the tank that's really what you want to bring into solution then hold it so you can purge it from the system mention that dried and caked on stuff um 
Yeah, I don't know if, if anybody else out there is like me, but it's you just get done spraying. Well, you got to hurry up and get to a ball game, or you got to get to some some event that your wife's got planned that night. And cleaning out the tank is not the first priority. Well, by the time you're back there the next day or a couple days later, it's uh, it's pretty hard on there. Can you get that stuff off effectively, or do you have to scrub? Uh, actually, it d- depends, right? So if you've got a uh Probably one of the, the nicest things is if you've got a 360-degree uh, rotating t- uh, tank cleaning valve inside the sprayer, you may actually not have to, you know, get in there and physically scrub it. Um, some of the uh, some of the spray tank cleaners that have, uh, like our product, Erase, you know, that's got an advanced um, surfactant system in there, it's actually designed to help penetrate that dried residue and get it to go into solution. But, you know, Darren, I would say this. Before you go to out to dinner with your wife, right? I bet you take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I bet her if I point. if I want her to come along. Exactly. So you know, it's funny. I mean, we we think about personal hygiene every day, but we we don't think about sprayer hygiene every day, and we probably should. A lot of our problems that we end up having um, all at once as we're trying to clean our sprayers build up has build up over time, right? Or build up through the growing season. So we almost need to think about giving our, our sprayer some type of cleansing, you know, maybe every day. I, I'd be a big advocate of just at the end of the day, if you did nothing else but flush the booms of clean water, that would help so much. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't have to cost a ton. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, especially if you keep up on it. It's it's like everything else. If we just keep up and don't let things build up so much. It's a little bit better. How about neutralizing? I know when uh, extend was first being worked on, they talked about having some sort of product that you could just drop in the tank and it would neutralize that canvas. So you'd never have any tank contamination, but that just hasn't proven to be the case. Are there things that do a good job at neutralizing? We should be considering. Yeah. So, um, for the most part, tank cleaners don't neutralize a, a wide range of chemistry. Um, Sulfonylurea chemistries can be degraded at high pH, but it takes a little bit of dwell time too, right? So um, you'd need something that can jack up spray solution pH over 10 over, uh, and hold it there, right, in the presence of other residual her- or other herbicide residues. Uh, actually, Erase is really good at that. Uh, arguably one of the stronger ones. Valence has got a tank cleaner that jacks up pH pretty high too. But again, it's only for SU chemistries. So, um, you know, they're not, tank cleaners can't possibly neutralize every crop protection chemistry out there. Um, now, to the point of, uh, you know, the technology that was going, going to eat dicamba, right? Um, which was a, a something is based on the Fenton principle, and it's really combining uh, iron sulfate and hydrogen peroxide, which is an interesting reaction. It's going to give off a little heat, a lot of foam, some some rust, and some carbon dioxide. Um, it does work relatively quickly. It, the challenge with that has been bringing it to the market in a, a safe package, um, which actually I think that's probably close, but you're not going to see a whole bunch of it in the market this year. How about with fertilizer, Jim? And we we think a lot of times about herbicides, but what about fertilizers? I hear so many guys this year that are mixing in a bunch of different things because they couldn't get their fall fertilizer on. So they're like, well, I'm heading out with a pre-emerge herbicide. I'll just mix a bunch of different liquid products in. But they can really cause some issues and need to get cleaned out well, too. Uh, Yeah, great example, that's ammonium thiosulfate. Um, So, you know, as we 
jacked up our corn yields and we quit burning coal. More of us are realizing we probably have a little bit of a sulfur deficiency on our farms. And uh, ammonium thiosulfate is a great way to resolve that. So whether you're adding it to just water and using water as your primary carrier for herbicide tank mixes or UAN, um, I can guarantee you if you're using ammonium thiosulfate, you're going to have mixing issues. Um, you're going to have to use a compatibility agent uh, for sure. And in a mixing sequence, if you're using something like our mix tank app, uh, you would notice that we always have ATS going into spray solution last. Um, but if you, you know, the big problem is if you make a mess, uh, you have an incompatible mess, and you transfer it from your inductor or your nurse truck into your sprayer, um, that's all you've done is you've just transferred the problem. And those messes are really hard to clean out. And actually, uh, it's uh, taking a preventative strategy is so much better. Yeah, I agree with you. The The prevention is always better than trying to cure it up later. But let's say that we do have one of those issues where we got uh, cottage cheese in the sprayer. Is is there any hope to get it back out, or are we going to have to scrape it out of there? Yeah, I wish I could tell you that there's some easy way to get it out, and uh, there's not. Um, you're, you're really going to have to start Take, you know, hopefully you didn't charge the booms, but if it's in the boom, you're going to have to take the boom sections apart. You're going to have to at least pull the end caps and, and probably run a pressure washer down through there and physically remove it. If you think about it, though, too, and I've had questions like this, and I've, I've had people waste a lot of time trying to fix something that's not fixable. So several years ago, I had this exact same question come up. I said, hey, charge my booms. It's a big mess. Can I add a compatibility agent to it and fix it that way? I said, well, it's chance it's hit and miss whether it'll work and you can't get get it into the spray boom anyway right it's still yeah. you know your, your tank mix will be your tank uh compatibility agent would be in the tank so but they went through that and a day later they called me and said hey that didn't work and i said yeah i didn't think it would and the next day they called back and said hey we tried tank cleaner too and that didn't work i said yeah i didn't think that would work you just gotta bite the bullet and and unfortunately start to uh, physically remove it Hey, how does it how does it change things when you have uh, a direct eject system? So you've got your tank is just going to be water or whatever carrier you're using, and and you're just not putting any of the chemistry in until the very last minute. Well, it uh, so direct inject's a really cool idea. It's a it's a great way to uh, not create a mess in your tank. But sometimes I wonder, if, you know how thoroughly, uh, how well it's mixing. And then I worry about mixing sequence too, right? So mixing sequence plays a big role in, in, uh, in, in compatibility. And I think it's going to, it works great for water soluble materials. Um, I think it's going to work great for ECs. And then there are some things that just take a little more energy to get dispersed and potentially could create a compatibility problem in the boom. You could, and actually, unfortunately you, you won't see it. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, like it's, you do in the tank, right? You just, all of a sudden, you notice that things aren't... Right, right. You don't have that uh, warning in advance if, if something is going wrong. You're already out there and you're already doing stuff. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's just interesting. There's a lot of different theories on, on how to do stuff. And the, the challenge for me, Jim, and I, I guess we're out of time right now, but uh, we'll, we'll have to maybe talk about this another time, is just the frustration that all these different chemistries... 
take different things to get them out. And sometimes uh, it takes a little different mix or a little different strategy to, to clean out one product versus another. We've been talking with Jim Reese with Precision Labs. And Jim, uh, always great information. Thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks a lot, Darren. See you. We'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Clean fields and higher yields start with a strong battle plan. For soybean growers, there's no stronger ally than Sonic Herbicide. When applied pre-emerge, Sonic has proven to defeat yield robbers like water hemp, mare's tail, and giant ragweed. With long-lasting residual control, it keeps fighting to defend your field from invaders. Visit battleweeds.com to plan your attack against weeds. Always read and follow label directions. Sir, yes, sir! White mold, sudden death syndrome, root rot. If you raise soybeans, it may seem like you have all the cards stacked against you when it comes to disease. But did you know there is a new cost-effective seed treatment which can help prevent all three? Heads Up Seed Treatment offers a new proactive approach for dealing with fungal and bacterial diseases. Compatible with other seed treatments, hedge your bet against disease this spring. Ask your dealer for Heads Up today. To locate a dealer, visit HeadsUpST.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio today. I uh, got a couple of callers already that have been holding on for a while. Let me try to get to those uh, quickly here as we start the segment. I've got Dell uh, with us first. Uh, Dell, uh, you had a question about uh, uh, tank cleanout and and how does that how does that work on on your farm? What are you doing different? All right, it's a very small sprayer, 
with a detachable concentrate tank. Okay. So you snap the concentrate tank on there, and then it proportions and sprays. But my question to you is, sir, is how do I then clean? I don't have to clean the water tank, but how do I clean the a boom and the spray nozzle? Thank you. Yeah, that's that's a great question. You know, when when you would run uh, some tank cleaner through the main tank, uh, then you can flush that through the booms, and that would be one way to do it. Uh, I really like on the booms some of the work that Hypro's been doing with their uh, quick attachments on the ends of the booms to to flush things out. I think that's been pretty useful technology for our farm. Uh, they've even changed that. Uh, they they've got uh, new equipment this year. Where it's it's uh, more like almost like a spigot at the end. You just turn a little valve and and boom, it opens up really simple. So those kinds of things I think are nice. But yeah, I guess you'd end up having to run it through since your your detachable um, chemistry tank is so small. You'd probably end up running just put the tank cleaner in with whatever a hundred gallons of water or something in your big tank and and flush that through the booms to get everything out. Which would make a much smaller mess and problem than mixing the whole concentrate oh, in the tanks yeah. and having leftover product. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Totally agree, yes. especially when you're switching products, you know, through the spring and, and summer. I, I think it's a great idea, Dale. All right. Thank you. Enjoy your show. I listen to it every day. Oh, thank you. Really appreciate that. Let's go up to Michigan and get a friend Rick on with us. Rick, how's it going? Hi, Darren. Uh, I got to agree with what that guy said. You know, you and your brother just do it magnificent job you cover about every subject there is so if you get a chance to listen to you guys Thanks. as much as you can you usually got a solution for the stuff and i think that's wonderful on the cleaning part i just want i want to ask you a question and then listen in on you uh i uh water my greenhouses because they're so long with an automatic system i put in my own plumbing and uh so you got a boom that travels the length back and forth with an eye and I want to know if you agree, regardless if it's a greenhouse or in a commercial sprayer, if you think that the old copper, the powder, break uh, breaks down rust. Because when I use, it seems like I've done that for 50 years. Whenever I use copper, it'll break the, the rust off. If you've got a little rust in your piping and fittings or whatever, it draws it off. And it's just a pain in the butt. Liquid's a little better. I want to know if you if you understand what I'm talking about that that copper a fungicide the powder will actually make rust come off and sometimes can make your problem worse and I'll hang up and listen thank you very much buddy you bet thanks Rick huh? yeah you know that's okay. that's an interesting observation I think what's kind of neat is uh, we do get to to get some experience with using a lot of different things on the farm and. Uh, so Rick was just saying, what what about copper uh, breaking down rust and, and just stripping it, kind of cleaning things? Uh, there, there's been so many things over the years that we've used that have really cleaned things up. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. We, we haven't done that. We really haven't done much with copper uh, until just the last few years on our farm. And uh, so I 
I don't have the same experience, Rick. I, I mean, I don't have any experience with that. So I, I guess I don't have a comment, but that doesn't surprise me. And I would assume uh, for any of our listeners that are that are uh, chemistry nerds, uh, you probably have that like, oh, yeah, it does this specific reaction. I don't know exactly what it would be in that case. But, but yeah, that's kind of a cool observation that copper uh, powder that he's been using uh, helps break down any rust and strip it out of piping and that type of thing that, that you might might have throughout your system uh get charlie out in california and charlie thanks for calling what what can we do for you hi there uh, yes thanks good morning uh it's uh, i'm over here in santa monica california we're right on the uh, the ocean here so we have a big uh probably where i'm a professional uh, uh i have a nursery here where we produce about uh eight to ten thousand rose bushes annually and here in santa monica being next to the ocean we have a major uh powdery mildew problem and so um of course, it's been even worse this year with the increased amount of rain and, of course, the overcast weather here in May and June. So on the powdery mildew, I, I in the past, have used a, a combination of neem oil and, and bailaton, and it, it doesn't seem to be working at all. So I, I talked to one of my chemical suppliers, and they suggested perhaps going with Cali Green, which is a basic potassium uh, uh, bicarbonate uh, contact uh, material. And, and perhaps combining that with uh, Eagle, which is another uh, fungicide I've never used. So I just wanted to get your your thoughts on what I could do to combat this, this major powdery mildew problem on roses and other ornamentals. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, when I think about all the roses raised in your area, I, I think about the Rose Parade and how many are getting used just in that one event. You think of what kind of demand there is just just locally there, just on one big thing like that. That is that is a oh, big yeah. challenge. Yeah. Powdery mildew but is a big challenge. That's for the cut rose uh, trade, whereas I uh, have a, a nursery where we sell the bushes primarily in oh. five-gallon containers to be planted in the garden. Oh, okay, okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> so, so it's tough to... Uh, sell these things when they're covered with with powdery uh, mildew and, and the, the leaves are all crinkled up and etc yep. so as far as it stands i know in uh, ag uh, uh from commercial crop standpoint it, it, it will hit a lot of crucifers and uh, uh grapes etc so uh do you have any ideas on this well, I, I don't have a whole lot of experience with with rose bushes, other than I probably bought a couple of your your potted ones uh, that are in my landscaping around my house, uh, and I've heard a lot about the neem oil. That's been one that that I am familiar with a little bit. Uh, when when we think about powdery mildew, um, you know, for us, a lot of times we'll end up with that in our cereal crops, and then we're using oh, propiconazole used to be. One of the things that guys would do that it's pretty cheap, but there there are some uh, multiple mode of action fungicides that we're using now, and I don't know how many of those are, are labeled in rose production. Do you have restrictions with other crops around you where where you've got to be really cautious, or are you mainly just specializing in roses? No, our specialty is, is rose bush production, uh, so we don't have to worry about other crops. So we're here in the in the city, of course, so I just have a large uh, plot of, you know, a large lot, essentially, uh, about a half an acre where we're producing these rose bushes. But I know that uh, you might be familiar with uh, farmers that, that run into the powdery mildew on, on say, grapes and, and uh, truck crops like melons and uh, crucifers, uh, this type of thing. Because I know the powdery mildew will hit a lot of uh, species of, of agricultural uh, plants. You bet. You bet. 
Yeah, I, I guess the the question for me would just be which chemistries would be labeled, yeah. and then what kind of uh, restriction would there be after you treat the plants? How long would you have to hold on to them before they'd be safe to to send out to um, other consumers that, that would be using them? Uh, that that's a great question. I'm going to have to look that up a little bit, Charlie, to see what your options are. But uh, I know our, our call screener here, Janelle's got your contact information. We could uh, get back to you on which specific products would would work the best. You said you've been using the Bailaton, and that just hasn't hasn't done the job anymore. It used to work. It isn't working now. Yeah, I think we're getting some resistance. Uh, and uh, now, are you familiar with the Eagle? I believe it's a Bayer product. Um, not off the top of my head, but they've got different names in different crops for the right. same chemistry. So yeah, just give me I one see. second here. Let I me see, see if I can, let me see if I can find that real quick. That one is, Corteva it looks like. So, um, yeah, and that one would be for... And with most of these uh, that we use, it, once the material is dry, it's uh, it's safe to sell these products uh, okay. out of our nursery. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's uh, Microbutanil. No, I haven't used that in crop production, so I'm not I'm not specifically uh, uh, familiar with that particular one either. It is a Group Three, though. Okay. Uh, tell you what, Charlie could get back to me. Yeah. Yeah. Let me do that. Let me let me get back to you on that. I'll I'll see. Uh, see what we can do and where we can cross-reference a little bit what's working for us in other crops and uh, find something that'd be labeled for rose production as well. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Using NSERVE nitrogen stabilizer with fall fertilizer applications keeps nitrogen available into the spring for maximum crop growth. Field trials in Iowa show NSERVE delivered an average revenue increase of $22.96 per acre, and NSERVE is the only recognized nitrogen stabilizer product in the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy because it reduces nitrate leaching. That's max profit in an environmentally sustainable way. Calculate your field's profit potential at nitrogenmaximizers.com. How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. The mighty Prosaro. King of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get rewarded with Roundup Ready Plus when you choose the proven power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. 
This year, you already made one smart choice by planting glufosinate-tolerant seeds. Now make another, Interline herbicide from UPL. Interline controls tough, resistant weeds like pigweed, waterhemp, mare's tail, and ragweed in glufosinate cropping systems. And with our new manufacturing facility, there'll be plenty of Interline to go around. So play it smart. Choose cost-effective Interline herbicide. To learn more, contact your UPL distributor or sales representative. Always read and follow label directions. Managing nitrogen is a challenge, and early season rains can wipe out early applications before peak demand. Proximus by Actigrow works with native microbes and soil microbial cycling to manage nitrogen. Applied at planting and side dress with UAN fertilizer, Proximus is proven to protect nitrogen and increase yield. Ask your egg retailer for Proximus with your next UAN purchase or visit superchargeyouran.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. Our topic is spray tank cleanout. One of the products we get a lot of questions about is Valor. It's been a really popular product in soybeans, and that same chemistry is being used in other crops. Uh, and it's one that I know Valent has put some time and effort into developing a specific tank cleaner for. We have Trevor Israel with us right now with Valent. Trevor, thanks for joining us. Hi, Darren. Thanks for having me on. You know, I, I know you've got a tank cleaner for Valor. Uh, is that one specific to that chemistry, or is that one that could be used really for about anything? Well, um, we develop, developed it specifically for Valor, but um, it could be used for any other products that require raising the pH uh, for a significant amount to uh, really uh, neutralize and uh, break down the, the Valor herbicide in there. Um, other ones, it also contains some... Uh, uh, some surfactants and detergents in there, as well as, uh, you know, um, um, formulated to where uh, foaming is good. It's part of the, the cleaning action. It's uh, um, just a unique formulation. It does work well with Valor. We uh, recommend it with um, Valor or Fierce brands uh, for, for clean out. Um, it is uh, um, works by, by raising the pH and then also uh, cleaning it away and, uh, and uh, taking time to dissolve uh, and actually get back in the solution. Uh, the uh, chemistry that might be uh, in the tank somewhere uh, after it's been uh, sitting for too long. Um, so, but it could be used with other ones. You know, I think about uh, just just some of the products that you work with, Trevor. And so often we see growers that are putting out three different modes of action pre-emerge. Then they're mixing, you know, maybe even some glyphosate with it or something else to add some burn for burn down. About uh, you know, surfactants and stuff get added to that. Pretty soon you got half a dozen different things getting put in the tank. And it, if you don't get that all cleaned out, you've got a lot of potential there for issues. Right. That, that's correct. Um, different things go in the tank. Of course, um, you know, it starts out uh, making sure that what you do put in the tank, uh, you don't have to take right back out from uh, incompatibility issues up front. So following proper mixing order and, and getting that in there and uh, maintaining that to uh, reduce the potential for uh, anything that any, especially uh, uh, granulars or other products like that that may uh, have a tendency to uh, get hung up, uh, not necessarily like the other soluble products, but those like that, follow that, correct agitation. Uh, a couple key points I'd like to just maybe touch on, um, just as reminders, um, you know, cleaning that 
tank out at the end of every day. Just flushing it every day um, is uh, is really critical. If you do get rained out and have to have uh, that tank sit full for a few days before you finish it out, get back to it before you switch to another round or something different. It's it's critical to to rinse it, and then um, we recommend the valent tank cleaner. Other tank cleaners uh, uh, could perform the same way. Just uh, flush it out, uh, top the tank off. Uh, charge the booms out, um, let that flush out the other chemistry, let the uh, tank cleaner actually work its way throughout all the plumbing, loosen the end caps, loosen any diaphragms on nozzles, try and really make that uh, tank cleaner uh, solution really come in contact with anything that might have come in contact with the herbicide and let that sit overnight, uh, at least eight hours. Um, that's what we recommend. So if it has to get rained out, just, you know, take the time to do that and, uh, um, really see excellent results that way. Um, I guess in three years, over three years up here in the job, I haven't had to go to a, a site for a, a serious issue like that. I've heard it, I've seen it, and it's like you said, uh, sometimes it's just somewhat embarrassing and not remembering to, to purge the booms before <laughs> yep. the edge of the field. And of course, that's when people see it and like, oh, I see the streak right through your field. And <laughs> so, and that's another thing, purge that out, and you might drive a little further to one field and you just got a load of uh, glyphosate or something and or uh you know uh another burn down or anything that's a, a liberty or a roundup type product that has surfactants in there and they can actually clean things pretty well too so but if you drive further you might have a chance for those to uh loosen up something else uh in the field i've heard of that so always remember to purge the booms that way as well you know, you mentioned uh, a couple of things there. One, one that I was thinking about. We've we've seen so many guys get rained out this year, and all of a sudden they're stuck with a bunch of product left in their tank. And one tip that I got when I was much younger, I had a farmer say, well, "Look, just close the valve. Don't let it get down in the boom. Then you can just flush the boom out. And if you do have an issue, well, it's in the tank, and it's not all through the boom and through all your plumbing there. Do you see that as being a, a good fail-safe type measure?" Um, yes, it could be, um, just to, if you can flush the booms and, um, not have product sitting in there, um, uh, if you're able to flush, um, air through them somehow or, uh, um, do it that way, um, or, or, uh, just flush them how, uh, ever. And, you know, there's a lot of nooks and crannies that, um, oh, that yeah. can get caught up in. So a way to do that, any, anything you could do, um, certainly wouldn't want to, have to start all over or, or uh, you know trans transfer any any material like that way but anything you can do to uh, maybe minimize the contact time of that spray solution with the plumbing would be beneficial now do you see certain problem areas just show up over and over again i know for me one of the things that i would notice with uh, different farms that get called out to is uh, in the spray tank the underside of the top of the tank that if there was some foaming that happened, that foam a lot of times would end up getting stuck up on the top of the tank and guys wouldn't get that cleaned out as well. Do you, do you see other areas that, that could be problems pretty commonly? Right. Um, areas like that where the uh, maybe tops, the uh, very top of any type of um, separate compartment may, may not get fully cleaned. Um, we do have a foaming action on that valent tank cleaner to really try and get to all those different spots and also encourage to you know really top off the tank and make sure you yeah you do have to mix up a full tank and of the tank cleaner because 
you know, if you mixed up a full tank, it was all in contact with the upper regions of the tank or any other type of the plumbing. So really fill it up again and, and let it sit and uh, work it through, agitate it, and, and uh, let it, uh, time, time has to, uh, time is needed to really dissolve that stuff and um, to, to really minimize the uh, chance of, of contamination. You know, when we get into uh, different product categories, uh, whether it's pre-emerge herbicides, uh, uh, different post-emerge products that are going to be used, insecticides and others, I mean, obviously safety is a big deal. And we've got a lot of different chemistries here. You mentioned uh, raising the, the pH to neutralize some chemistries, and I know that works excellent uh, with things like Valor to help clean it out with some of the SUs and so forth. Uh, are, are there things that we need to watch out for here as we're we're using different products? I know they always talk about uh, bleach and ammonia. There there are some potential watchouts there. Are there other things that growers should be aware of? Yes, um, things like that. Mitching, um, you know, follow uh, recommendations, labels, or, or definitely uh, wouldn't try mixing any cleaners. Um, just use one um, to. You know they can have counteracting effects, and then uh, the byproduct may be could you know certainly chlorine is potential. You know don't mix certain household products, um, but just follow instructions like that. Um, and it may require um, you know just purchasing uh, a certain ones, and there's other ones out on the market. But as long as it has uh, recommended uses for certain classes of herbicides uh, in chemistries and and breaking them down that way, don't. Um, follow one and, and a good one use the right rate uh, and uh, length of time specified to clean and, and flush and, and things like that. Yeah, I think the time, and you hit on that a little bit earlier, that's one that we've really found can can play in our favor if we give these products time to work and time to do the job to not only pull it off the side of the tank, but but to get it into solution and uh, even that may even involving uh, like you talked about with these surfactants and detergents and just letting all those components really function. Well, we, we, a lot of times we'll let it soak overnight and then flush it in the morning and then flush it again with water and so forth. And we've had good luck with that too. Been talking with Trevor Israel mm -hmm. with Valent and certainly has a lot of experience cleaning out tanks, doing all the trial work and everything else that you guys do. We really appreciate that. Uh, Trevor, thanks for sharing with us today. Thank you, Darren. Take care. Talking about spray tank cleanout on our show today, we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back. Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi, I'm Scott Harms, an agrist specialist with Grain PhD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PhD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. Our free GrainBridge software simplifies your cost-profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at GrainPhD.com. You know what's convenient? If you're a soybean grower, what's convenient is Zidua Pro Herbicide. That's because you get fast and complete burndown together with up to two weeks longer residual than other herbicides and three sites of action for broad-spectrum weed control plus built-in resistance management. All in one convenient jug. And that turns out to be very inconvenient for pigweed, water hemp, and mare's tail. Contact your local BASF rep today. 
Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgriLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid is the perfect fit for your planter fertilizer program. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic insecticides from Atticus LLC. Unwanted insects are a nuisance, but they're no match for Serpent from Atticus. Serpent delivers economical, fast-acting, broad-spectrum control to help your corn, soybeans, and wheat crops thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. With the success of the Case IH Tiger Quad Track and Magnum Road Track tractors, it's no secret why Case IH is the leader of the track. So it wasn't surprising when the competition started imitating us. Because Case IH offered the first five-axle design to give you more power to the ground with less berming and compaction, all to help you be more productive. Still, we're flattered. In fact, if we weren't already red, we'd be blushing. To learn more, visit caseih.com tracks. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better, built stronger, lasts longer. Learn more at mortonbuildings.com. Hey everybody, come on in. Egg PhD mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, answering your calls and agronomic questions. You can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or just give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, I got a comment in. This one is from Jeff. He said, you guys were talking about replanting the other day. I haven't even been in the field yet this year. I'm not too worried about replanting. Hey, you know what, though, Jeff? Some of the same principles hold true. If you're planting late, uh, things change. You may have to adjust your population a little bit. Uh, Brian, when you think about that, if you're planting late, I know a lot of times where we're at in the northern part of the country, they talk about more advantage to narrow row spacing at that time. Uh, You may adjust your planting population a little bit, trying to catch more sunlight quicker uh, I, I don't know. Middle of May, are we are we late enough that we have to worry about that yet? Well, let's keep in mind that our show airs all over the United States and Canada, so obviously it is relative to where you're at. So I'll just talk about us on our farm in South Dakota. Are we too late in the middle of May for uh, corn or soybeans? No way. I mean, we still have 100% yield potential for soybeans and probably 98% yield potential for corn. Uh, wheat, yes, it would be too late for wheat now, but uh, I mean to maximize yield. But we're not in the best wheat growing area anyway, just because we get kind of hot and our our climate isn't uh, it isn't perfect. But anyway, um, yeah, I, narrow row spacing makes more sense. You just have to think about you've lost sunlight because you're planting later. 
So with that, we'd like to close those rails quicker. Not only is that going to help us conserve moisture and help us in terms of controlling weeds, you know, having more crop canopy, but we'll be able to catch or capture more sunlight more quickly. Oh, one thing I was going to say too, I, I'm I'm not a big proponent of dropping seed treatment late. A lot of people say, oh, the crop's going to pop right out of the ground. Yes, it will. But let's keep in mind, just because it's hot, that doesn't mean you're going to have fewer diseases. So the difference between hot and cold and disease pressure isn't all that much different. Now, the difference between dry and wet is different. And let's think about any delayed planting, that's basically due to wet. So if we're wet, I don't care if we're hot or cold, we've got a lot of chance for disease out there. Yep, totally agree. Hey, thanks for the for the comment, Jeff, and thanks for uh, watching our show. We really appreciate that or listening to our show. Got a question from Steve, and Steve is in South Central Ohio. He said, I got advice from you guys last summer on my high pH lawn uh, of using ammonium sulfate, and my lawn looks great now. Thank you very much for that. I got another question for you. I just learned that one of the weeds that I've been hand-pulling is poison hemlock. Now, I pulled the big ones uh, out of my yard, but I've got a hay field right next to my property, and I really don't want that poison hemlock around my dogs or spreading into their hay. I'm wondering, what can I spray on that? I've got some large hickory trees, and I just don't want to do any damage to them. How far away from the trees should I stay, and is there a safe product to use? Hey, Steve, thank you so much for the question. Glad to hear uh, the ammonium sulfate work for you on the lawn, too, by the way. Uh, with poison hemlock, it it is poisonous, and you can even have issues just pulling it by hand. So make sure you're wearing gloves if you're doing that. Uh, or if you mow it, wow, if you've got a bunch of it and you're going to be exposed to it a lot, that can even be a little bit dangerous. So, yeah, you do want to be careful around that weed, and you do want to get it under control. Uh, this is one where if you can catch it small or in the rosette stage, before it gets really big, you'll be most effective on it. Um, I would use Freelex. That'd be my choice. There, there are several products you can use, but the thing I like about Freelex, it's a new formulation of 2,4-D called 2,4-D Choline that doesn't have a volatility issue. So you could spray it theoretically right up to your trees as long as you're not spraying it on the trees. But I would say this, you want to do it when it's cooler and you definitely want to do it when it's not windy. Uh, to be the most safe. What what other suggestions do you have, Brian, with Freelex? Uh, that's pretty much it. So if you're really worried about it, spray in the early spring and late in the fall when there are no leaves on the trees. But I'm just not that concerned about it as long as you physically keep it off the trees. We don't have near the volatility or drift issues with the new 2,4-D Freelex as opposed to the old 2,4-D, which was terrible for volatility and drift. Yep. Yeah. Try that, Steve. I think, I think you'll like that. That, that should be a nice product. And it's not super expensive either. Got a question from Doug and Doug's in New Zealand. He said, we've got a product that's available in our area that is made from uh, fish byproducts. It produces mycorrhizal fungi and reduces the need for nitrogen. So it must contain some nitrogen too. He said, wondering, do you have these types of products available in your country? Hey, hey, Doug, thank you. Really appreciate that. And yeah, I was just in New Zealand for the first time uh, this year and really, really impressed with the agriculture there and the level of knowledge that a lot of the growers have. It was, it was uh, pretty neat to see. Yeah, there are some products 
that are sold in the United States that way too. Not, I'm not familiar with the product that you mentioned, uh, and I don't know if that's marketed in our country. But uh, yeah, there are definitely some that are being used. I know um, there was one that was a byproduct of shrimp uh, farming. So I, I don't know if it was, um, you know, some part of the shrimp that wasn't being used. And I, I think we've tried that. It smelled horrible. Uh, and I, I don't think we thought the benefit was worth uh, dealing with the smell. But, uh, yeah, it is something that we're seeing a lot of. How can we utilize all the different things that we've got at our at our fingertips and uh, try and get the most out of them? So, nope, haven't, haven't heard of that one here, but uh, we do have some things that are kind of along those same lines. All right, got a question from Lionel here. He's from Saskatchewan. He said, big fan of your show. I've traveled to your Martin Center for... Uh, meetings in the past. We've also been to Phoenix and caught you there and been to your field day and so forth. Uh, you're going to be doing some meetings at the Morton Center again. I was just wondering, why don't you make Phoenix a destination learning event and just go spend a whole week there and cover all your topics? Uh, and one of the things that I would like to get from you is the spreadsheet Brian says he uses for base saturation K calculation. I wonder if you could make that well, available. Yeah, but that that was just a day or two ago, and I happened to make some comment. You had said during the commercial break, "Hey, take a look at this," and I said, "No, don't don't do that. Just tell me the yep. numbers once we get back from commercial, and I'll just punch it in really quick." I had a blank spreadsheet, so that's the spreadsheet I used as a blank spreadsheet, and I literally took the zero point nine percent base saturation K. I remember exactly what the numbers were. And then I put down, okay, I want to get to 4% base saturation K. I already have whatever it was, 109 parts per million of, um, of potassium. And I just divide the parts per million by what my current base saturation percent is, multiply it times what my goal is, and that's what I need to get to for, uh, for parts per million, roughly. So you just subtract what you already have from what you're trying to get to and apply that. And there you go. It's, it's that easy. But anyway, as far as the Phoenix thing, yeah, we've been down to Phoenix many times. We're not going to be down there in 2020. Uh, maybe we will again at some point. And, you know, I realize Phoenix is a lot more fun to go to in the winter than Baltic, South Dakota, <laughs> which is right by Sioux Falls. We've got a good airport. Well, especially if you're from Saskatchewan, but, you know, Brian, you probably want to escape from the snow, not travel to another place that has snow. Yes. Yes. So, uh, I, maybe someday we will do that. But the thing we like about being at the Morton Center is we can have a whole bunch of agronomists there. We are right on our farm. We have really good facilities. So we can't find a facility in the United States that's going to be as good in terms of sound, lights, uh, just everything we can do there. So it's really helpful for us. And obviously, since it's on our place, our cost is a lot less to do the meetings there, too. Yeah, we, we don't charge for the meetings, and that, that is kind of a big thing. So, yeah, if we can uh, keep the cost down, that's a nice thing as well. Uh, got a comment here from Barnfly. He said, in pastures, the old timers say that if you mow thistles down during a rain, it will kill them. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you have any experience there? You know what, Barnfly? Uh, if it was that easy, I think everybody would do it. Uh, but, boy, I've never yep. seen a rainfall kill a freshly cut thistle. No, I absolutely do not believe that's true because, well, we haven't been out mowing in our pastures. I used to do a lot of mowing in lawns and also uh, uh, trimming, weed eating. And I, 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 I took a lot of weeds. I mean, I cut a lot of weeds that way. And I don't remember any 
single one ever dying because it rained as I was cutting it. So anyway, it might be true. We can check that out, but I really am not optimistic that'll work. Yeah, the rainfall thing is kind of an interesting subject too because we get a lot of questions throughout the season. Hey, I sprayed this product and it rained, you know, an hour afterwards or it rained me out of the field and and evaluating what is actually going to work uh, coming out of a rain if you're using a herbicide is, is kind of an interesting topic. We may have to have that at some point during the spring or summer here too. Well, thanks to everybody who called in or sent in questions today and thanks to you for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. Now, stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.